My first rodeo. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What are you uh, share screen? Let me see here. Are you? Uh, if I shrink this down, are you seeing the movie now? No, if I'm seeing my profile pic. Let me see. Well, here it comes. Oh. Here it comes. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Perfect. All right. Excellent. So, uh, one, my friend, uh, we're doing Stand by Me. Thank you. Um, uh, streaming delay? No, continue watching. Why don't you just fix your shit, Amazon? People are like, you know, Amazon's working really hard right now. And I'm like, they are. You know what else? Amazon's making buckets of money right now. So let's yeah. just all be aware. <laughs> right, right. They've got this one job. I don't want to hear it. You know. It's like the whole idea of... Um, oh, a good one. It's like the whole idea of... Yeah, you know, they're talking about all these hospitals that are helping people. We know how expensive it is to go to a hospital. What do you think the bankruptcy rate's going to be? Oh man, I yeah, mean, I, don't, I don't even want to think about it. Right, but yeah, yeah, and I'm still wondering who out there loves all their health care. My God, <laughs> but Kim was Kim was sick, you know, before all this quarantine thing went down. She had all those symptoms, right? They, they wouldn't let her come in. They're just talking to her on the phone. I'm like, you guys get thousands of dollars, like, a year from us, you know? Yeah. And then when we come to use it, they're like, no, nope, no, nope, stay home. It's like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, don't use it. God, what's wrong with you? I know. You have it in case of emergencies. But when right. there's emergencies, that's when you don't use it. <laughs> God Richard bless. Richard what was Richard Dreyfus at 22 at the beginning of this film? Uh, <laughs> he's always looked 100. Even in, um, what was it, uh, the extraterrestrial movie, right? He still, I mean, Richard Dreyfus looked like he was 75 years old. Yeah, Close encounters. Know, yeah, I'm not seeing it. Are you seeing it on your screen? I'm seeing it on my screen. Hmm. Oh, well, we'll figure it out. So anyways, um, are you just seeing me or nothing at all? I see your, I see um yeah i see you okay i'll try it one more time uh i'll stop touching share screen share screen and sounds 
Um, let me see if that helps a little bit. Okay, that should be the full screen, and then there's that. Do you see the movie at all? If it. not, it's no worries. Okay. All right, well, listen, we'll, we'll rock and roll with it. It's all good. I'm going to take the sharing thing off then to help with bandwidth and uh, that little button do all sorts of fun things. So, um, so stand by me. We were talking about this. Uh, you know, it was we were both talking about how much fun this would be to do only because of the fact that, you know, this we there's this generation and they call themselves the greatest generation. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I think first it's appropriate for us to enlighten the greatest generation. I think it's really appropriate for us first to think about not, I mean, this really, even though it was written for a time of these kids growing up as the greatest generation, let's be very honest, it's really for our generation because this is how we lived. We smoked cigarettes as kids, we snuck booze, we went running around, and more importantly, our parents didn't care that as long as we were gone. Like if, if COVID-19 happened in 1982, I mean, how many kids are outside? Just outside from eight in the morning until six at night. All of them. Right. Literally, I, I, I built my kids a tree house when we moved into this house about six years ago. Those kids... Once they got out there and realized they, there was, uh, I mean, they could do their Wi-Fi and stuff. That's what they did the first time they played it. They went out there with their tablets and stuff, and then they lost interest almost in, immediately. They have no idea how to hang out in their own little clubhouse, their own little treehouse. It's it's it was it was pretty eye-opening. It's it's different also how we parent versus our parents. I mean, I was, I remember. My parent, and I would never do this at any age. Maybe it's because I have a daughter, but seriously, I just would never do it. Um, I mean, I was in third grade, third now, fourth grade, and my parents were putting me on Greyhound buses to send me halfway across the state of Montana to go see my grandparents. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just multiple stops, like an eight hour day on Greyhound buses. And my yeah. only thing was, Hey, uh, tell the lady who runs the, um, you know, who, who's at the station, tell her when you have to use the restroom and always sit up by the driver. Wow. That was it. I got five bucks to spend money. And if you, you know, the, 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 the folks that are on Greyhound buses um, aren't exactly the ones you want to send your child alone to hang out with. You know? God, no. Putting it mildly, I, I would say. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Just, I, yeah, I, I could not imagine any one of my children, even now that two are adults, uh, getting putting them on a Greyhound bus. Can you imagine? They're like, hey, we want to go see our friend in, uh, in let's say, just Santa Cruz, right? And from right. where you're living. Like, We're just going to take the bus. And you're like, no, I'll drive you. Right. I'll drive you. <laughs> But why? Because I'll just drive you. You know, it's just so fucking ridiculous. It's crazy. Now, <clears throat> now why you, do you think? Why do you think our boomer parents were that dis like disengaged? I mean, I think some of it comes from 
there was a uh i believe there was a a, a juxtaposed a, a why in the road right i mean i believe their parents were super disengaged but in a different way because times were hard mm-hmm. uh, and they were trying to figure things out right but mom still stayed home dad went to work and uh you know dad was less engaged and mom was a little more engaged right and then you but you also you had this hippie generation coming through and they were lovey-dovey and what do we do? And there was such a hard pushback on that, especially, you know, um, the hard times in the 70s with gas prices and food prices going up. Uh, they, uh, uh, I think they just, they're like, yeah, but when is it my turn? You know, every generation has kind of had their turn, I think is how people look back on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're like, well, when is it my turn? I mean, they were given a great economy they were uh, also given uh, a, a civil action or what we would call the vietnam war um they were given uh some of the they were given the opportunity to see, literally see technology go from zero to hero and they were also you know they couldn't get laid because of aids so <laughs> oh, no 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 they were getting laid plenty and then aids and then AIDS. that's true <laughs> You know, they were um, they were given marijuana and then marijuana was taken away. Uh, they were given cocaine and angel dust all at the same time. You know, they were they just they lived in this. They just lived in these two parallel worlds. And I think that just made them become super selfish. But I could be wrong. I don't know. That's just my take on it. Well, I mean, you know, that's an interesting point, because I, I think about it. You know, their parents, yeah, being disengaged, you've got dads coming back from, you know, a world war. They're not the yeah. same. They're they're not lovey dovey. They're not, um, you know, they're not complaining about what they went through, but they ain't talking about anything, you know. So they're isolated a bit, you know. Moms are holding it together. So that makes sense. Not happy marriages, you know. So then you get then you get these boomers coming through with the sexual revolution, and they and by the time we come on the scene, you know, seventies um, kids, they're they're starting to break up too. Because they don't want to live their parents' life, and there's a bitter promise, yeah. right? That that they I want something more, but in the mid in the mix of that, us us Xers got the shaft, right? You know, we got we got Greyhound bus. They got they got freedom, and we got Greyhound bus <laughs> bus trip <laughs> to Grandma's house. To Grandma's house, right? But I mean, like watching the movie, right? You're seeing. Uh... You're seeing the kid and he's telling his parents he wants to have a sleepover and the mom just looks so disengaged and sad. And I know his brother died, but the father's disengaged. So you take away the father dying, right? And you put in war, right? You take away the father dying or the brother dying and you put in drug overdoses. You take away and they just, and also they just didn't have any access to emotion, emotional stability. I mean, you were a fucking quack if you went and saw a psychologist, right? Yeah. And now, I mean, if you if you don't go to therapy, people are like, "Why didn't you go to therapy?" Yeah, you're like, "Huh?" Do you know it's fun? And and you're gonna love this. I don't know if you remember this. His brother who died is John Cusack. He's played by John Cusack. That's right. He's my hero. Yeah. <laughs> let's. My, can we give? My, let's, let's give. Let's give the listeners a little background on um on your on your burgeoning, uh, beautiful friendship with uh with Mr. John Cusack. Well, <laughs> okay. Now, now you got to go back all the way back to '85 to really get the 
the depth of this this emotion. Let's because, go back. Let's go back. There was another movie that that you've got to talk over at some point called Better Off Dead, and it it's a it's a classic. John Cusack. You need it to. Is oh, you did. Lloyd Lloyd Dabla. <laughs> there it's he is. Awesome These boys learned how. <laughs> These guys learned English from Howard Cosell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's worse, no English or learning English from the wild world of sports? You know. Now, now. So I probably a couple times a week throughout high school, like whatever, just watch that movie incessantly with my my buddies. That we just quote it back and forth, and that was that was entertainment for us. Um, fast forward to the age of social media, and I reply to some a tweet of John Cusack a couple years back and he like, he retweets me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, Lane Meyer, <laughs> Lane Meyer just retweeted me, Lane Meyer. you know, and a couple times since then I've gotten a few, few bits of love from him on Twitter. Cause we were wackadoo liberals, you know? And so we, sh- and, and we, sh- we like to take shots at, um, I don't know, organized Christianity's, uh, love of guns and and <laughs> and hate of neighbor you know um kind of a strange strange relationship there but <laughs> it, isn't it weird that a crazy kickboxing liberal arguably is more christian than a lot of christians think they are it's i know i know and and he's out there he's got the conspiracy theories but still more sane than a lot of what you see you know i don't know it's a straight, like Dude, I said, I love it. world. It's a strange world. You know, it's funny. Like my highlight in life was um, I got retweeted and was followed for a little bit, and then uh, he doesn't follow me anymore, probably because I just fanned out a little too hard. But um, the Christian rock icon Steve Taylor. Nice. I peed next. <laughs> to him. I peed next to him at the Roxy back in like '97. Stop. Like yeah. Yeah, I remember our band in college, we we played for Sixpence None the Richer at the Roxy. Yes. And yes. Steve Taylor was their their producer, their guy. He was the label owner for them. That's and I, right. Yeah, I'm in the bathroom and I look over. Yeah, there's the Roxy. I look over and there's Steve Taylor taking a piss. And I was like, hey, you're Steve Taylor. Yeah. <clears throat> An awkward moment. You know? Dude. He had so much talent. Chicago Rivera, Sixpence None the Richer, producing music and finding talent. I and mean, his music has always been good. But he actually, I mean, Chicago Rivera was, I guess, his music. That was his first um, MCA stab at rock and roll, right? And yeah. uh, they didn't put much behind it. Rolling Stone wrote a big article on the alternative band to take all alternative bands through the 90s before um, Nirvana came out. Uh he was interesting, man. He was a he was a really really interesting uh, person, um, you know. And then he did a movie, and he's produced some more music, and he's done some. He's a he's a very interesting character. Yeah, very interesting character. I, I think it's hard for I think it's hard for artists in these positions sometimes, right? Because he's a real artistic guy. He's got a real artistic vision, and and what art is is truth usually, and so he wasn't afraid to to point out some uncomfortable truths. In, in a community of people that didn't like to look at uncomfortable truth, right? You know, unless it applied to someone else, right? So when yeah. he would make fun of, when he'd make fun of some of the trends going on in, in, in Christian practice, you know. Um, I blew talk- up the clinic real good. Huh? 
his hit song, I Blew Up the Clinic Real Good. Yeah, or this disco about, used to be a cute cathedral, clinic. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, was, he, was, he was talking truth, and that's uncomfortable for, for people to hear. And then it's kind of like biting the hand that feeds you, right? Um, you know, rocking the boat when you're in it. That was, that's why we probably don't... I think he's scaled back a little bit because he realized if he wanted to keep eating, he's got to keep that group from devouring him, you know? It's so weird because it seems like that that should be the best place. You know, I mean, it, se- it also seems like our, our generation, right, is, is a rock-the-boat generation. <clears throat> yeah. and we But we find comfort in rocking the boat. We find comfort in a group where we can challenge and ask questions. And then you have the old guard standing there going, that's not respectful. Or you have the the new guard that's just that's been brainwashed by the old guard that says, hey, that's making my grandmother feel pretty uncomfortable. Right. I don't like You're it. You're too negative. Yeah. And what and what do we do honestly though? We we stir it up, and then we 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 say piss off and walk away, right? We, you know, I mean, we we yeah. handle our own business. We're not we're not a, we're not in any position a lot of times to have the decision rights on fixing it, right? I mean, those the boomers are still in control of all these organizations. They True. refuse to die. They just refuse to go away. They don't retire. You know, if they do retire, they pick up another job, you know? Yeah. It's like they just won't stop, <laughs> you know? It's, dude, they won't. They will not stop. <laughs> That's hey, I just right. saw something. He is. You know, he's 100 years old in 1983, and he's still going. Still going strong. <laughs> still going strong. So I, I saw this, and I, and I want to get, get your take, because we were raised in different areas, right? So you were raised in Southern California, yes? Yeah, yeah. I was raised in Montana, so let's go through some stuff that um, that I did or you did as a kid. Let's see if we did the same thing. So one, um, I think we all did this, two for flinching. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you don't wipe it off, if you don't wipe it off, you get hit again, right? You remember that? That's right. Hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it went from like some taps to all of a sudden friends were like, let me see how hard I can hit my buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you don't fly across the room on the first hit, it it almost doesn't count. <laughs> uh, dead, dead, dead legs? Did you ever get to give the dead legs? Dead legs were a part of the rite of passage for sure. <laughs> when I started as a youth pastor, yeah. I had a kid. I had a kid bullying another kid in a cabin at a camp, and I held him down and gave him a dead leg. And then I realized, oh wait, he's thirteen and I'm like twenty six. I could probably go to this. <laughs> And I think that might have been the end of dead leg for me. <laughs> but see, you could have gone to jail for that <clears throat> during that time. But let's be honest. When we were growing up, I mean, I had this guy, Mark Stromberg. He was an offensive lineman for the Redskins, and he quit to become a youth pastor. All right. So that's how big he was. I was at this girl, Elisa Saldamondo's house. Elisa Saldamondo had a big crush on her, asked her out, went in the rain, on one knee, and gave her a rose, and she said yes. That was my game. And we were were at her house with her parents, and we're hanging out, and I had hit his key, so he couldn't leave. He goes, all right, it's time to leave, and he had this very pretty wife, and I don't care if they had a kid or not. But he sat on me, twisted my arm behind my back, and bent my fingers back until I cried. In, <laughs> in front of her. In front, in front of her and her parents. Oh, man. Oh. 
Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and they wonder where grunge came from. Yeah. You know, they wonder why Nirvana was such a hit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why this generation got angry for a little bit. I don't know, because adults could still beat us up. It was okay. And then and then if you were crying, did you ever get this one? I'll give you I'll give you something to cry about. Oh you yeah. Stop it, I'm gonna give you something to cry about. That helped. Yeah. That helped. Did you get the it's a long ways from your heart? It's a what? So if I like hurt my arm or I hurt my leg, like let's say I, I, I like one time um I wrecked my bike, flew off about five feet. And my knee hit a rock. In fact, it swelled up so big, I, my knee couldn't fit in jeans. And I looked, I was limping around the house. My dad's like, Jesus Christ, you're such a wimp. Man, it's a long ways from your heart. Huh. No, I never heard that. <laughs> but I think I might start using it. I think my kids are going to get that one. <laughs> they stub their toe. They start crying. And you're like, that's a long ways from your heart. Yeah, I used to, I mean, I used to get the thing, you hurt a leg, you hurt a limb or something, you know, good thing you got another one, you know, that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yep. I I broke my collarbone skateboarding and didn't tell my parents. I just let it heal on its own because I had read that that's kind of how it worked because I didn't want, because I didn't want them to, you know, get mad at me <laughs> for falling sure. down because that's what happened when you fell down, they got mad at you. When I got hit by a car, I was a car was doing 55 miles an hour. So this is also safety parents. This is the whole thing of a neglected childhood. <laughs> My buddy had his 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 house was closer to the uh, to the five lane highway, five lane highway, five lanes. His yeah. house was close, and we would ride our bikes down his driveway. We would we built a jump or a ramp. We would launch ourselves off the ramp, land power slide which would kick up dust to this you know two lanes each way in the middle turning lane to this five lane highway and then <laughs> wave to the cars after we power slided <laughs> and my parents were a hundred percent okay with this i don't let my kid cross the street without me today right yeah and 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 so we get this done we're doing it i jump i land my chain pops off my schwinn black and yellow bmx bike sick i slide and i slide out to the highway and because we've been doing this all, all day that part of the highway had dirt on it so as soon as i hit that i skipped sliding out into the highway usually like there's no dirt there you hit the asphalt you stop yeah i slid out to the highway and i got broadsided by a car i rolled up on the hood i broke out the front windshield slammed down Bounced up, came back down. The antenna went through part of the back of my head, broke out the back windshield, broke open the trunk. Oh, my and God. And rolled down the highway. Sad story of this is the gentleman who hit me died of a heart attack. And I was mad because they were cutting my jeans. And they were in my new jeans. And I was going to get in trouble because I only had a couple pairs of jeans. And now the ones that I did have, they were cut from the paramedics, and I was pissed. <laughs> People See, are like, now, I thought this was a comedy was podcast. Like, this you. is not uplifting. I was going to ask you, kind of, because thinking about our parents, thinking of like Stand by Me, right? These kids go on this like like this 
lone adventure with their friends. But but you're telling me your parents would walk. You had no problem with you guys doing that. Like we literally on my street, there must have been like a dozen kids all within a couple of years of each other. You know, we it, we rode our bikes every day. We would grab scrap uh, wood and bricks from the houses around us and build these ramps. Right? This is like the like the age of evil Knievel, right? Yep. And uh, we we started jumping trash cans, and the parents came out to watch us. And you know what do they do? They don't say stop. They say, let me grab a few more trash cans, right? Let's see how far you can go. Hey, you know, this, this, you could have been the next evil Knievel. Who knew? You know, but these parents would just sit out front and they'd laugh and we'd wipe out and they would laugh. And then we decided, you know what? Trash cans were too dangerous because these were the metal ones. You hit them, they rolled, they, you, you just got tore up. So we decided, hey, there's a lot of us. We'll just lay down and we'll jump each other. And so that's what we started doing. Parents didn't stop us. They started getting the other kids out. Come out. Like, come outside. We need a few more kids so we can see how far these kids can jump. You know? Until you finally somebody jumps and lands on one. You know? And and it was it was laughter. Not they didn't they laughed about it. They didn't freak out about it. It's a it's amazing, honestly, because I can't even imagine my, my kids setting up a homemade ramp as rickety as the ones we did, let alone jumping over people and things. Yeah. Oh, hell no! I remember my older my older stepbrother Carson and I. We were at my uncle Wally's house in outside of Helena, Montana, at his ranch. And my brother said something to me, and I shoved him down, and I started kicking the shit out of my older brother, just kicking the shit out of him. No one stopped us. They watched us. They watched us fight, and they cheered us on. And everyone was laughing at my older brother because I beat him up because I was younger than him. And then, and so, the, and then, not only did they they watch the fight, but then they shamed the loser. Oh yes, shamed the loser. <laughs> and Fat Boy Nation over here, I got chicken and a biscuit crackers and cashews. So you got, you were rewarded <laughs> for being a kid. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were onto something. You know what? Maybe they were onto something that we've all missed. You know, because <laughs> my kids go into a meltdown when I tell them, "Hey, did you do your chores this morning?" You know, they yell at me. Oh. <laughs> Dude, it's my like, daughter what? gets upset. I'll look at them like, "What the what the hell are you doing?" Right? They stop. This is nonsense. And she'll get a little teary-eyed. I'm like, you know, that shit doesn't work with me. So if you're going to go cry, you go to your room and cry. When you're done, I'll talk to you. And I feel like I'm being a horrible parent <laughs> doing that. And then I think about what my parents did. I mean, I remember we were, I was just, I, I was a kid. I was mowing the lawn. And I heard a, I heard a, a, a squeaking sound on the lawnmower. And I didn't know, <clears throat> I mean, we had a big yard. And I was doing this hill up and down, up and down. We had like a quarter acre of grass. And I was mowing it with a hand push mower. Oh, geez. And I heard a squeaking sound. And I thought I heard where it was from. And after mowing for two hours, I grabbed onto the muffler of the mower. I <laughs> ran in crying. My mom bandaged, it, bandaged my hand up and then told me to finish mowing. <laughs> <laughs> and you did it yeah because if i didn't i was not only going to still have to finish getting mowing 
but I was also going to get my ass kicked by my dad. <laughs> like I said, maybe they were on something. Maybe we weren't paying attention when we, when we, you know, maybe we didn't get the lessons right. I don't know. <laughs> 30 minutes into this, we're like, it is the greatest generation. We're wrong. I'm so sorry. Well, now looking back. Boomers, boomers aren't the greatest generation. It was those World War II fighters. Those guys were, right? They were their parents. Um, and, I look at the, yeah. I mean, I look at the greatest generation and I think, oh, that's the, every, that's the generation that lived through and built this country back up after the Great Depression. That to me is the greatest generation. Right. That those are the ones that ended up fighting the. Um, well, yeah, I don't know exactly where it's where it's labeled at, but I think it's these are the guys who were came to age in the middle of you know World War II. They're the ones who had to fight fascism in the world. You know, real it, fascism. I mean, aggressive, undeniable. Yeah. Right. I mean, a literal world war with with the with arguably the most destructive weapons the world had ever seen. You know, um, just uh, when you think of the technology, uh, the, the killing technology that was taking place back in the 40s, it's, it's, it's wild, you know. And they faced that down. They just kept throwing more people at it, you know, until they got the bomb, right? I mean, you talk about Kenneth. <laughs> do, you like that that's, do you like that that's the answer? And just 12 more people. Like, well, that's huh? it, no, right? No, no. Like, we're gonna we're gonna D Day, we're gonna storm Normandy, so we better fill up, you know, what is it, like sixteen ships with as many soldiers as we possibly can, because they're gonna, you know, like thirty percent of them are gonna die before they hit the beach, you know, because of like modern machinery. It's it's crazy. Now, now let's okay, let's take your example because I love that example. Think about that, and then think about what's happening with COVID nineteen right now. Think about the fact that during that time, no one, no one was balking about some extra lives for freedom or for, or for security. No one, right? Not one person. And now, I mean, theoretically thinking, right? Now, it is a big deal. Now it's like, hey, man, grandma and grandpa can't die because of a dollar. They can't. But back then, it was like everyone can die for, and honestly, it was. I mean, it was, it was, it was a global money-making war. It's like everyone can die because we can shut this asshole down and, and get things back to normal. It's a weird thing where, where we put the value of human life based on what we thought was important at the time. And I'm not saying that the economy is or is not important or that grandma is more important than the economy, but I'm just saying that there was a, we've had now twice in, in, you know, in these in these times, where we've put a value on human life compared to something else, and stopping fascism was more important than a human life. Right. And right now, a human life is more important than a dollar bill, up to a point. Well, what that's fascinating because okay, so let's tough back generations. Look at Stand by Me, right? Those kids in this mm -hmm. story are those boomer kids. They're they're post World War II kids. They've got They've got freedom. They don't have healthy parents, um, you know, but they're living in a world where there's like endless possibility, right? Just seems exactly. like anything's possible in their in their world. Um, who's getting killed by this virus? 
you know them it's, it's them so why do we shut things down the, these are the same ones who who said you know no don't stay together for the kids let you know or said hey get on a greyhound bus go see grandma we need a weekend to ourselves whatever it was right um the the the, the me generation right the me generation why would it they they stop the rest of us from doing whatever because they're afraid they're gonna get you know they're gonna get this flu and die and they're the ones running the show, man. They, like I said, they don't quit. Look at look at our candidates right now. <laughs> You've got what Donald Trump's what seventy four years old, right? Can we and talk the, about? Hold on, as, as, oh. as a liberal person, and, and I'm and I'm in the middle of the ground. I don't care either way as far no, I'm as disenfranchised. As, as a self proclaimed as a self proclaimed earlier liberal person with John Cusack, your party has chosen Joe Biden. Who? Yeah, he's got the yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring it up. Like some people arguably say he has dementia. Reese. What's yeah, he, up with your party? I don't know. That's not my party. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's just it, right? Isn't that the Gen X thing? Like we don't who's well, we don't have a party. I, you know, like I realized I wasn't really Republican when Bush was invading Iraq. I was like, I'm done with this. You know, and then yeah, and, you know, you go over and say, "Hey, I'd really like my racist father-in-law to have a black president, so I'll I'll register as a Democrat for that," you know. And then and there's that black president. Went, and then that black president went, "Oh, do you do you think um, putting people in prison school? <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah, I'm right. in prison more people than ever before. Right. Oh, yeah, right. You you care about the rights of migrants? Let me let me. I'll expel more than you've ever imagined, and no one will even know. You know, of course, this is it, right? So like. Honestly, four years ago, I was like, I, I was loving Bernie. He's independent. He's he's on the the Democratic ticket because, yeah, that's what this two party system's all about. But but even he's like seventy eight years old now. The, like I said, these guys just don't quit. They're just like, this is our world. We're gonna run it, you know. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Honestly, they give they don't give two thoughts about um, handing off the you know the mantle to somebody else. And their power of influence is so great. I mean, look at Tulsi Gabbard. She got ridiculed. She got broken. She, she was, you know, called a Russian agent. She, I mean, everything happened, right? Everything. And she was a Bernie. She was with Bernie. She was siding with Bernie on debates and doing everything. And then it comes around. She finally drops out of the race. And what happens? She, backs she sides herself with Joe, Joe Biden. Right. So, it's, yeah, who knows? Like, what is it these boomers had going? You know what they had going from large numbers and and a, sh a real shared vision for um, what they what they felt they were worth. You know, like I think what's yeah. what changed, what was different for us as those kids wandering around in you know in the seventies and eighties, is we didn't have a real sense of our worth. You know. I think that that might be part of it, right? We were kind of like um, that that whole disenfranchised group of kids, you know. Do you I, think that 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 took a hard left turn with uh, the millennial generation that is thinks their worth is probably well, not probably, but is you know way too high? Yeah. See, now the millennials are the generation I worked the most with in youth ministry for years, and it's fascinating because I'm like, what's the difference? That, that those were like kids raised by like our, our, our 
like I don't I guess they were raised by boomers, but like late stage boomers, you know? They're not raised by Malin by by Xers. They were raised by like those late stage boomers. So it's like they got that real somehow along the line, that group kind of was like, we gotta shield our kids and coddle them and, and give them every opportunity, you know? They were like yeah. further removed from the uh from I don't know, maybe some of the uh, you know, like the pre-civil well, that's, that's rights the era. Divorce, right? That's the divorce group, right? So that is dad divorced. He was single, ready to mingle for a while. And this is when, you know, the when it all started with the 50-year-old man marrying the 22-year-old woman, which mm-hmm. never happened with the generation before, right? It, that, that shit. Unless that, you're that rich. Never Unless you were super rich, right? Or gay and just trying to hide it. So you're like, look at this hot chick. She's over here, Rock Hudson. Um, you know, whatever it may be, but it's like they, um, you know, all of a sudden they had the Dalmatian wife. She didn't ask any questions. She poured you a cocktail. All she wanted to do was shop. And then she just wanted to get pregnant and have a kid. She wanted something to love on and say how important it was. Like mm-hmm. a puppy. And like, fuck, these puppies live a really long time. Because if you look <laughs> at that millennial generation, they've got all the arrogance of the boomer generation, all the confidence of it. But they also have this vision of a short lifespan. And that comes from that. I mean, look at the way they work. They navigate careers. Look at the way they move. It's like they've got this. Yeah, but I was only cute till I was 16 or I was only cute till I did this. And I mean, they're as broken as we are, just in a way different way. Well, they got all they were promised the world and it didn't get delivered. Right. The the workforce got 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 mixed up right you know it's yeah. like they got they got master's degrees and we're, and we're working at starbucks right and they're they're shackled with student debt and you know they don't just they don't get the directing position the minute they step out of the classroom right and that was the big lie that they got sucked into and yeah, so mom just told them they were great and they're like i am great just go say you've got a master's you yeah. are gonna step out and you're gonna run a company and they're like man Fantastic. And they yeah. step out and her rental car goes, uh, you're going to work at the front and make sure they have insurance and we don't take checks. And they're like, no, I don't think this is how this works. Yeah. And they're like, after two weeks, they're like, I quit. I'll just stay living at home. You know? Yeah. But let's, let's give them some props here, though. They brought us microbreweries. Those crazy bastards did decide to uh, make beer better. They've made, they, get, they made foodie a thing and they brought us like local local like fusion like cuisine and all kinds of good stuff like that you know like the whole idea of shopping local and doing all that so we got to give them some love for that would you, would you not also say that, would you not also say though that they're like they're the first generation to be like fuck savings it's okay to enjoy a 12 dollar hamburger you know it it's funny like like <laughs> everyone gives them shit about avocado toast right like these kids, because it's fifteen dollars. No, funny. have you been to the store? I can get five avocados for like five bucks. No, it's... but they go out to eat it. They like go out. They have their cappuccino and their topo chico and a glass bottle and their avocado toast. Yeah, but they don't own a car. They don't own a house. That <laughs> they, that's all their money is just for that. You know. Yeah, and that's what freaks everybody out because I mean, look, think think about housing, right? That's a two point four trillion dollar industry. Two point four trillion, and this is the one generation that goes, "Ah, fuck it, I don't need a house." 
Seriously. They'll just live with, they'll live with grandma. You know why? Because boomer grandma came through. Hardcore hardcore boomer grandma comes through and, and, and rescues their butt every time. Because they're they're the group. Okay, so like I I don't know if it's guilt on their part or what, but they they neglect their own kids, then they go after the grandkids to try to to try to make up for lost time or something. But who knows? Like it's it. I think they got all the confidence of the boomers, none of the material wealth. You know. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, no, they've got all the confidence and all the spending ability of the boomers, and right. none of the cash. Right. But. But Surreal. look at how they've, they've created the whole gig economy. And bartering's become the new cash, you know? And these guys will trade stuff to each other. It's, 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 I don't know. Like, for as much as I like to make fun of the millennials, I, I'm kind of always shaking my head. Like, you guys are outnumber the boomers by a lot. You have a better vision for the world than they do. You know, sure, you're annoying with some of your, like, your print shirts that I can't, like, you wear, you know... All you guys wearing those mediums when you're definitely an XL, you know, you're, you're, like your fitted shirts and your and your and your skinny khakis with your pot belly, you just can't just stop it, you know. But uh, but but your vision for the world's way better, man. Get out there and do something. But that's where they lack. They just can't do it because they never got to take a walk with their friends looking for a dead body. That's right. They never got to do that. And you they think were about at it, dance right? class. They were at karate class. They were everywhere, but, you know, and you're absolutely right. Like, they have this vision, and, and they have this idea and this power, and in the vision, idea, and power, they're also like, yeah, but I fucked myself because I'm riddled with debt. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, someone still holds the keys to my castle. But then also, it seems like that's the generation that goes, I don't care if I have a 450 FICO score. Right. Like, they just don't care, because to your point, they'll trade, but they're also the group that could win and make this economy fair, transferable, great, and amazing, and they're the group that, uh, that could lose. I mean, they're the group, they are the group right now, if you're watching Stand By Me, folks, they are the group right now, they are the four boys on the train tracks, crossing, and here comes the train. Mm. I mean, obviously, you know, these special effects aren't very special because you can see the green screen, but <laughs> they are, you know, and there's, you know, there's the, there's the fat kid and he's laying down and he's crying. Jerry, Jerry McConnell, is that it? I always yeah. get all these names wrong. I was, I was watching um, uh, the, um, the great Patrick Swayze uh, movie Roadhouse and I, I called Sam Elliott, Sam Donaldson through the whole movie. Oh, man. Oh, dude, the hate mail. The, the fiery hate mail. <laughs> and my buddy was like, hey, I think it's Sam Elliott. And I was like, you know what? Watch your fucking mouth. And he's like, my bad, my bad. It's Sam Donaldson. <laughs> man, that is, man, you're going from like the big Lebowski, like, like to, to Sam Donaldson. Like, what is that? Like 2020 or something? Like, like, prime, like, like Nightline? What is that? <laughs> I think it's Nightline. Yeah. Oh my! So it's not even—it's not even—it's not even like an A list. It's—it's B list Nightline. How dare you? <laughs> How dare I? I mean, come on, Sam Elliott's a, a freaking legend. We've done it. We've all done it. Of all time, he got the greatest mustache of all time. It's like him and Burt Reynolds. 
Yeah. And Burt Reynolds was like, I don't hit women. My mustache does. So celebrate <laughs> me as a man. Dude. This I, is a, do you think it's weird? Real quick. <clears throat> yeah. Popped into my head. But do you think it's weird what we decide we're going to judge people on and what we're not going to judge them on? Like we live in this world where we'll celebrate Burt Reynolds and we know he kicked the shit out of Lonnie Anderson, right? Like we know. But we'll still celebrate him. We'll be like, oh, Burt Reynolds, the great mustache, Smokey and the Bandit, you know, ah, a little too much plastic surgery, but hey, he's awesome. Um, but then we'll pick someone else out and we'll be like, you know what? That part, like, we'll still listen to Michael Jackson music and that's okay, but you can't listen to R. Kelly. So, yeah. You know, well, we're, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we still, we still listen to, we still listen to um, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. He married his 13-year-old cousin. Yeah. But, no, no. Elvis Presley you falsified, us, but... falsified his, his, his wife's birth records so that he could marry her younger than, you know, th- so yeah. she was younger than, you know I mean? Like, just, just hold on for a second. Think about what you're saying. All okay. of these people, including, all of these people, including Michael Jackson had one thing in common. They were rich white guys. That's true. Well, Michael Jackson became a rich white guy. That's a lot what I'm of, lot That's of, what I'm saying. Of... He was a genius. He was more genius <laughs> than you know. He knew. The only way he could get away with having that Jesus juice and those secret little bedrooms and sleepovers was to turn white. That's it. Could you, could you imagine him talking to his attorney? And his attorney's like, listen, Michael. You're black. He goes, I'm light black. And they're like, no, no, you're black. You can't do this. He's like, I'm going to fix my nose. Michael, you're black. Well, no, I just I just created Neverland Ranch. It's amazing. I mean, it's a goddamn amusement park. He's like, no, Michael, you're black. He's like, hold my bleach. I'll be right back. Comes back as white as he can. And, and also, you know, in, through whatever, you know, gets a white girl pregnant and they have white babies. And he's like, see? I'm fucking white. Now, can we get the kids over? And they're like, line them up. They, yeah. Line them up. See, he learned. So he, he learned. He learned. He learned the secret of America. You know. You're, hopefully, you're your, hopefully your listeners will hear the sarcasm in my voice. <laughs> 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 this is the kind of thing that later on so, someone's like, that guy's a school teacher. And he, this is the stuff you say saying. <laughs> well it's funny because you know like i listen to the podcast the dollop uh, i love it and they're always t- they always make the joke they're like oh white people showed up i'm sure nothing will go wrong and then you get people who go oh this is my favorite part so the radio dj comes and he goes hey from the racks and stacks the best on wax the e's and b's here we come for the berry baked pie eerie and i was i was always like oh man i want to be a radio dj because i like that voice I like that idea. I like that thought process that goes, I can change my voice and, and be an asshole, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't have to be real. I mean, that was the start of that like whole, you want to talk about fake news. Huh. You know, and Rogan talks to us a lot. You sit there, you've got the tie, you've got the special voice, and I want to come to you live from the epicenter. And here we are. Behind me is Central Park, and this is traumatic. Right. 
and you do the whole thing, and it's just like boom, 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 and it's a game. It's all a game. It's a crazy, crazy game. But you know, anyways, the, back to the dollop. So the dollop always does the thing. Like, oh, the white people showed up. I'm sure everything's going to be okay. And you know, it's like name a time in history when white people showed up and everything worked out good. <laughs> I mean, outside outside of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, like, because Canada, the the verdict's still out because they've given us Nickelback and Celine Dion and Justin Bieber and Ryan Reynolds. I, we've got, we've got to. Are you mad at Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds is a handsome devil. That's the problem because I'm also I'm mad at him for the same reason I'm mad at Nickelback because I'll 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 start tapping my foot, and then <laughs> and then hating myself for it. You know what I'm saying? You guys like. It's just that whole, I don't know what they did, like Rush, you know? Like, like I, why? Like, why Why do I love it and it's so bad, you know? So bad. But isn't that, the, I mean, listen, you're a musician. You play music. You introduced me to um, Gwen Stefani <laughs> on top of Triangle Square when they played uh, the album that had the orange on it. Tragic Kingdom, yes. Tragic Kingdom. We saw them with like 50 other people in a, in a huge horn section. You had, like you, I mean, you know, you, you've got this insight on what makes people's toes tap. You know, <laughs> even you go back, I got an email, I got, I got a text today, right? And my buddy did a spoof on it and he, um, you know, I'm pulling it up right now. He, uh, let me see here. Where is it? Uh, text message. My buddy Scott. He's got all this stuff going on, right? And he's like, "Hey, um, do you like the song Safety Dance by Men Without Hats?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude. Of course, I love it. It's a shitty song, <laughs> but it's a toe tapper. Like it gets in yeah. your brain." He's like, "Well, I did this safety mask spin," and I was like, "All right, cool." He says, "So I want you to lip sync a part, and then." We can dance, do anything. We can dance, we can dance. He goes, put on a mask and do the dance. Now, what he doesn't know is I'm going to put on a unicorn mask, right? I'm going to go over the top nice. with a bandana around the unicorn mask and just and just be a complete asshole about it. But, I mean, he changed the lyrics. He goes, what ones do you want? I'm like, wear a mask because you need to. The best are N95. But don't be hoarding. It's not very rewarding. Together we will all survive. 2020 is a dumpster fire. Cause a virus called SARS-CoV-2. <laughs> but if we're going to flatten this curve, we can all hang out on Zoom. I mean, dude, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Come on, brother. Come on. Nice. Uh, you know, that video has dancing, like, <laughs> like dancing, like little people, you know? So you yes. got to get your daughter dressed up for this. You got to get her in it. You know? Oh, dude, I'm going to get her in it. She's gonna be wearing a mask. I want to do. It's gonna be make like, like a small Stonehenge to dance around something. Oh, <laughs> my life on fire! So I'm gonna get these. I'm gonna get these conspiracy theorists going nuts. He's that's a that's a that's a thing. So wait, what so, happened? So the spoof on the song. Hey, the way, 1983 yeah. is the year of of Stand by Me, right? 1983. Yeah. I want to tell you something. 1983 is the best musical year of our childhood like go back make a what, playlist what 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 Huey Lewis and the News song came out in 1983 you tell me and I'll agree with you 
if this is it. Did that come out in 83? Or was it Harder Rock and Roll? Oh, no, Harder Rock and Roll. I, uh, I, no, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it's like, it's that I'm whole, look it up. if this is it. look it up, But just start looking up songs from 83. I, You know what? That The Safety Dance might even be there. But I'm just going to look up Huey Lewis songs in 1983. So, Bad is Bad. If this is it, I want a new drug. Right? Dude, I want a new drug. I'm telling you. Part of rock and roll. Finally found a home. You crack me up. You crack me up. Dude. Dude. Stop. Tell, 1983 is a magical year. All right. For movies, for music. Um, now I'm, let, now let's, I'm, let's, let's think about this. What movies came out? Uh, you know, I don't need that. You wonder. So, um, top movies in 19. People love this, by the way, when I do this. Because started, they're like, they start Googling stuff and talking, and they're just like, you motherfucker, focus on the movie. And I'm like, okay, first of all, so here's what we got for 1983, okay? Yeah. We have hands down, and we can do this one if you want to. We have hands down, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest movies of all time, War Games. Fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. <laughs> National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, yeah. One of the most risky movies, racially risky movies of all time, Trading Places. Dude. We also have, if for, for the young kids out there, before pornography was available online, you could just click a mouse and see anything you wanted to, Flashdance. Mm. Uh, Scarface. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just going over Octopus. What am I telling Twilight, you? Twilight Zone. Oh, dude, you're Mr. Mom with Michael Keaton. The long forgot one of the greatest actors of our generation, Lone Wolf McQuaid. Okay, now here's two that I just want to throw out here that I think were great, but you know what? Actually, I got three here that I think are great. That um, <clears throat> two are controversial. One is a hands down no brainer, and I'll let you decide. Crawl, <laughs> Cujo, and Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Ah. Oh. I have to go, if I were to put it in order, I'd go Meaning of Life, number one. Mm-hmm. Cujo, Cujo, number two. And, and Kroll <laughs> is just painful. Kroll's painful all the way around. Oh, dear. <laughs> it could have only happened in 1983. It could only have happened in 1983. That's true. But then we also had some very bad movies in 83. We had Yentl. <laughs> we had Psycho 2. We had John Travolta's Staying Alive. How, how dare you say that's a bad movie? <laughs> <laughs> then, we, then, we go, then we had some other great movies. We had Strange Brew. We had Christine. We had um, The Man with Two Brains was always good. But then, you know what? Then we had some really rapey movies like Porky's 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, Chevy, the Chevy Chase flop, Deal of the Century. The... Um, Mr. T flop DC cab. <laughs> hey, guess what year safety dance hit the charts in the U.S. We also had Superman three in nineteen eighty three, and that's not okay. And Jaws three, not Isn't okay. Got the one with Richard Pryor. Yeah, but it was horrible. They tried to make it funny. They're like, hey, there's this thing called comedy, and people are going to these places, and they're like watching like people talking to microphones, and Richard Pryor is 
on cocaine. He's lighting his cars on fire. Um, he's, he's shooting his car with a three fifty seven Magnum so his wife won't leave him. He's a smart guy. We should put him in a comedy, hmm. but not a comedy, an action comedy. This, listen, the reason Superman 3 was made so that Arnold Schwarzenegger could have a career. Hmm. Was that the year of Terminator? Think about that. No, but you think about like all these Schwarzenegger movies where he went comedy action. You know, uh, the, the movies with yeah, Tom yeah, Arnold. I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it, it like laid the groundwork for this thing where you could have this, you know, um, kindergarten cop. It's not the Tumba. Hmm. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger got to play the game where he goes, Jimmy, or what do you say? Was it Johnny Carson or David Letterman? He was like, do you know how long it took to perfect this accent to make it work for all the people to think that I'm from another country? You know, I mean, listen, they, they, Superman 3 paved the road for that because guess who, guess who never, <clears throat> and, and he paved the road for like uh, Sylvester Stallone and, you know, you know, uh, and all, the, all those weird comedy action the movies Rock. he did. I mean, like The Rock, right? Yeah. Guess who never jumped on that bandwagon? Chuck Norris. Mm. Yeah, because even Walker, Texas Ranger was done with a straight face. That was even done with a straight face. <laughs> Shouldn't have been. Should have been the greatest comedy of our generation. It was done with a straight face. <laughs> he believes that stuff. He believes that stuff. I, you know, that's what we need. We need Chuck Norris to come put COVID-19 in quarantine. I think the person to do that is going to be Stephen Seagal. Legend. <laughs> I do. I want to do a Stephen Seagal month where I just go through as many movies of his as I can possibly stomach. He's the only guy that can slap you and break your eye socket, pull your eyeball out, rip your nose off, pull a tooth out, and then break your collarbone and then ask you questions and you answer them. Well, and then like stab you in the forehead with your collarbone when he's done. Yeah, he's done. And he's like, good. And this bone goes through this bone or through your ear or whatever it is. It's crazy. And also, you know, I have friends. Like I have a buddy who's, who loves a keto and he does it and he says he's a black belt. Whatever, that's fine. I don't know if he's or not. I think it's a keto. Maybe it's hop, hop keto. I don't know. Anyway, I think it's hop keto. I'm like, okay, cool. I go, how many hop, how many people do hop keto fight in the UFC? <laughs> well, none. All right, then I just, you know what? No offense, but um, I've got some red flags. And I'm not <laughs> saying you can't fuck me up with your hop keto. You probably can. But a real fighter, I have a feeling, you know, like Steven Seagal, none of his students, none of the stuff that he did, right? They've never come over to the UFC and done, you know, slapped Conor McGregor and pulled him by the dick around the ring with two pinkies and then just been like, Burr, and then knocked him out. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, it's just, it's like Steven Seagal's part of, is he part of the great, he's, he's older than us, right? He's definitely a boomer. He's a total He's a boomer. boomer. He he became a cop, didn't he? Did, didn't he become like a cop and have a show down in, south, like in Louisiana? Yeah, and he adopted the accent. He did every. He like he appropriated the accent perfectly. Yeah. Well, he got fat. Have you ever seen him with the the glasses on? That you like, you know, uh, the um, 
the uh, Oakleys, that the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the big Oakleys that used to wrap around people's heads, that Steven Seagal got so fat, they look like <laughs> readers for old people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't say it. You can't make fun of him because he'll break your neck. Allegedly. With one swift move. With one you swift know? move. He's like, he's, and, and he loves Putin. Like, Putin's his boy. John Cusack, wow. I, for charity, I'll put this on. You fight Steven Seagal. You use kickboxing. He uses his hop keto or whatever the fuck that he's got. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's based on the fact that he just cannot talk about Putin if he loses ever again. Unless he moves to Russia. This sounds like the opening to Joe Dirt. <laughs> Not, Joe. Not Joe Dirt. Dickie Roberts. That's what it was. Dickie Roberts. Same I haven't story. seen Dickie Roberts. You've never seen the movie Dickie Roberts? No. Oh, man. Do yourself a favor during this time of downtime. Just whatever it takes, watch that movie. A little Dickie Roberts action? All right. I will, yeah. I will probably thank you. I'll, the, I'll opening, get out. the opening scene alone and the poker scene with him and like has been child actors was something else. So it's about you know, a child actor that's washed wow. up. What do you think about, I mean, honestly, what do you think about uh, how many washed-up child actors are in this film, Stand By Me? Like well, one of the stories in here. We've got... Jeremy McConnell, right? He's, he's tried everything he can do. Now he's on a TV show out of Canada called Carter, where he's a former actor who's now a private investigator in a small town that he was raised in, in Canada. Like, it's still, so shitty that they not only film it in Canada... Yeah, but they don't only film it in Canada. They just say it's in Canada. Mm. Like, there are so many shows that are filmed in Canada, and they go, eh, maybe it's New York, Montana. Mm. You know, they try to figure it out. Yeah, and they just—they're just like, no, no, no. This is fucking Canada. <laughs> so you have him. You have one of the two Corys, right? Corey uh, Feldman. Oh yeah, he he keeps putting out new music. What do you mean, man? He's he's an internet sensation. First of first of all, sir, you make music. How dare you call what he puts out music? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Corey Feldman, he's a sad one because he was great in this movie. He was great in this movie. He acted. I mean, you believed every part of this movie. Every. He, and it's like he's got stuck there, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's still in that moment where he was that guy. And he's not that guy anymore. You no, see not at all. So, let's see, we got, Will, we got Gordon LeChant. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Will Wheaton, uh, Jerry O'Connell, um, Corey Feldman, and River Phoenix. Well, we all know what happened in River Phoenix's career. That ended. Don't, and don't you forget. And now, okay, those are the main guys. So, Will Wheaton, what did he do? He did Star Trek Next Generation or something. That was a while back. Yep. Yep. I, I don't know. Kiefer Sutherland. Dude, Kiefer's the man. Like, he is, he's worked hard, right? I mean, he was basically 24. He didn't do good in movies. He did okay in movies, but I mean, he really excelled in television. Yeah, he just, but, but it just seemed like a lot of, I mean, he's been in a lot of bad movies, but not on the level of like a Nicolas Cage bad, you know? But he's, well, he, 
Yeah, let's categorize Nicholas Cage and Wesley Snipes in one special area. I hate to cut you off, sir, but let's put them in the tax evasion group (laughs) where they're just making movies and just trying to pay bills. They just want to keep the cocaine and hookers flowing in. And that goes the same with like Joaquin Phoenix, right? You look at like Joaquin and what he's done and everything else, and people are like, oh, well, you got to pay some bills. You know, you got to to keep that boat. What what did Nicholas Cage was like buying like the T Rex, you know? bones like the skull and hang it in his house i mean it's like him and johnny depp and some of these other assholes you're like are you fucking kidding me right save some of that money yeah like, like save anything. i'm thinking like keeper sutherland he put out some good ones i mean he right on the heels of this like a few lost years boys. after lost boys right that's yeah. that's and same with feldman was in that one uh, that's true him and feldman were in that one you know that's true and feldman was good in that one it's uh, we're watching these kids run around. I'm watching them now, you know, kind of fish and talk about the dead body, and they're gonna cross the area with leeches here in a minute. Spoiler uh, alert! By the way, if someone gets mad about these spoiler alerts, go fuck yourselves, right? This movie came out in '83. You kiss right. my ass, not '85 or whatever. You kiss my ass. Stop your nonsense. But um, you know, I I look at that and I'm just like, okay, well, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I'd go see my grandpa in the summertime. And we'd go to the ranch in the morning, and he would hand me a fishing pole, a tackle box, and a sandwich. And I'd go fish the deep creek in eastern Montana. So you're talking about wolves, coyotes, mountain lions. Uh, We had a full ranch, so there were bulls, and there's all sorts of shit running around out there. And then rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes everywhere it's not like they're mowing the ranch it's a fucking ranch and you know it's just like i'd be gone all day to catch rainbow trout or brookies or brownies for the family Hmm. we're the family hold on so we have this great part and it brings up to you two for flinching but you flinched (laughs) yeah but you you're you're a pussy so I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rules so, don't rules don't apply if you're tough. They don't. From our generation, people are like bullying's so mean. I was like, I mean, it's it's bad. I think bullying's yeah, worse but... now because the social impact, the whole idea that um, you there's no there's no escape. Like when we were a kid, you could ride your bike home if you were being bullied, and you got home and you were safe at home. Yeah. And now, you know, you're really not, right? Now you're just, you're like, oh, okay. Well, now it's it's different. Now now remember, right? This is old, old school ministry guy, flaming, yep. flaming liberal, um, like grade school teacher, saying this right now. Here's where we've gone wrong with the bully situation. Talk to me. Zero tolerance, man. Watch what happens in Stand By Me, right? They're getting bullied by that group of kids. What changes it when they stand up for themselves? They got to face down that bully. They cannot run. It's like a predator. You run, you're done, right? These kids, got they got to stand up. They got to they gotta stand up to them. You know, here the kids, the friends do it together. Spoiler alert, right? But they... But they gotta, you gotta find that courage, or you're gonna be the one going. Wait, you flinched, <laughs> you know? 
I don't. I followed the rules, and you're still screwing me over. Like I think that's the lesson. That's the lesson. It's not saying go be an a hole everywhere, but be an a hole to the a holes. That's fine, you know. Yeah. Right. I think that's. I think that's one of the secrets out there. You know, they only understand yeah. certain language. You know. They only, They do, and I and I think there's a thing where whining and saying it's not fair. I can't believe you did this to me. Isn't isn't the answer, but the idea of 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 going hey to your point you got to at some point you have to stand up for yourself mom and dad can't protect you all the time right now they're ripping leeches off they're fucking where did leeches where, what happened to leeches remember oh, they're, still, they're still out there but kids can't get those playing fortnite you know what i'm saying that's you true can't, you can't Just, find them inside <laughs> I love that one of the leeches, right? So they're peeling them off the back, and then all of a sudden, one of the kids goes, "Oh fuck!" And no. you know it's coming. You know it. It's coming. The, the leech. Maybe the most iconic scene of the movie. It's it's chopper sick balls, and I've got a leech on my dick. And the running across the bridge, probably those three were like the moments. Those three are the moments, and it's yeah. weird. I mean, this is. You know, for you know, background, right? I'm a pastor, but also we went to a Christian college. We we Christian faith around us. This was written by Stephen King, who, if you went to a Christian and was just like, "Hey, um, Stephen King," they'd be like, uh, "Nope, he's right. the devil." <laughs> what happened to uh? What happened to the satanic panic? The the what's that? Satanic panic. What happened to that whole, remember, there was Satanists everywhere, we were going to, you know, they were sacrificing animals and cats, and there's all these horrible things were happening. And now, I mean, like, what happened? Man, I don't know. I Maybe we just stepped away from it. We got distanced enough to get out of that. Because it was, I mean, I guess it was kind of national, even around this time, right? Because I, I misspoke, like, lean on, or stand by me, that was like 86 not 83 so apologize to your listeners that for yeah, that but, but uh but that was that era of the heavy metal era where tipper gore and people were burning rec- you know they were wanting to censor records and label the music with it you know with uh that's when we got the warning labels on our music kind of in that eight late mid to late 80s era right yeah i mean tipper gore yeah before, I mean, it's weird to think that if you went, you know, like Al Gore, hey, Christians, you like Al Gore, they'd be like, you know, when he was running for president, they're just like, no, fuck you. No, no. Right. This horrible person wants to save this earth that God gave us. God gave us this earth. I can shit on it and do what I want. <clears throat> I'm a Christian. Well, they only care but, about one issue, and that's abortion. That's the only thing they care about. You know, and if he's pro-choice, he's, he's on the outs. It's amazing the idea that at the core of it, at the core of it, in my humble opinion, correct me, I mean, you, you're, you do ministry work, right? But at the core of it, it seems like this in the Christian faith. If we can't judge you and vilify you, it's not worth our time. You know, for a group of people who follow someone who said to go ahead and reserve your judgment, you know, we are probably... <laughs> <laughs> the most critical people on earth, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think I don't think he was just suggesting it. You know, I think he kind of meant it. But. 
Um, yeah. 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 But we'd take I mean, out of the church today in a heartbeat. We'd be like, nope, we don't, we don't like what you're peddling. There's no money in it. You know, there's no money in it. It's so funny because there's there is there's no money in it. And, yeah, you, you know, you don't get rich. You you just don't get rich. Uh, um, giving away your life, you know. <laughs> so. We are, uh, you know, we're, we're, we live in a world where, um, you know, where we, uh, we challenge, you know, we, we, once again, where that generation likes to challenge things, but then also can easily get swept up in a cult or, or into, um, you know, a, uh, an idea of, of embracing by volume something crazy or theoretical or, or nonsensical. And... You know, that's where, like, the Joel Olsteins and the mega churches. It's, it's weird. We never learn from our mistakes. We expect everyone else to learn from their mistakes, right? We expect everyone else to learn and do something from their mistakes. We expect it. Hands down. Got to do it. But no one looks and goes, hey, Christian church, remember Jimmy Swagger? Remember Jim Baker? Right. Jim Baker's uh, back at it. He's back at it like a psychopath. Tammy yeah. Faye's dead, right? Because she was drinking like 72 Diet Cokes a day. <laughs> like, this is poison. She's like, no, there you go. So you had them, and then we're like, we kind of get past that. And then who was the guy like in Colorado or whatever? That's like, he, he talked about how much he hated the gays, and he was just smoking meth and just pounding dudes in hotel rooms. <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah. But there was that guy. And now you're yeah. just waiting for the fall, right? Now it's just a game of like, well, when's the next one going to fall? But no one takes a step back and goes, you know, like, and stand by me, right? They see the dead body and they become respectful all of a sudden. Like there's a part when then, and then there's where they're like, oh shit, we found the dead body. This is amazing. And then there's a pause. Right. Pause of like, oh shit, look what we did. Like the bonding part was great. But this part, this part, uh, I'm not comfortable with. Now I realize the weight of my decision. Yeah. Isn't it weird that our generation seems to have this, generally speaking, this guilt because of the weight of our decisions, right? But the church doesn't. Because the church doesn't seem like it wants to be wrong ever. Does that make sense? You know, it's um, it's like any any subculture group, right? Finds such a strong identity in their little group. I mean, look at look at these four boys in Lean on Me, right? They they form like a collective identity based around this mission they're on, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, we come to find as the story kind of unfolds and and as he's looking back, they don't stay connected. They all go their separate ways, you know, and, and they have their lives play out kind of individually in, in different ways. But when you're part of like a subgroup of like a culture, like a subculture, and you have that identify that identity and it's so clearly defined for you, and you've got this belonging, it that's the strong drive that makes you um, overlook so many of the other flaws, right? Um, and it's just a deep human need. Um, and I think that's one of the things that just by virtue of what what churches are, um, 
they can be blind to all those other those other things that everyone else outside that group can see you right mm -hmm. uh, you know we can see watching this movie these kids they're the misfits you know as we get to know them we go oh they're sweet they've got value they're like they're we are like them right and we look at the the we look at the tough kids and we say you know oh these these jerks and stuff but we've been them too right <laughs> it's like yeah it's just it's a mat i think that's it i think that's stuff that guys like stephen king like you know great writers great artists kind of like we talked about truth right they find that little thread of truth and that's why it resonates with us but i think churches why do they miss it because they they get they they've found some collective identity that makes it us against everyone else you know and they protect it with everything they can because uh, it's a human drive to belong you know and I, you know, yeah, it's a human drive to belong. It's a human drive to lead and leaders aren't, don't have faults, which is weird because the Bible sets up every leader as being riddled with faults. Yeah. 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 Like so, the contradiction is so aggressive. Yeah. Right. People, I mean, like yeah. our leaders have to be perfect unless it's an unpopular leader and then we'll highlight the faults then we'll leverage those faults right. and then leveraging those faults then we're like yeah and then comes the bumper sticker right he's not perfect he's just forgiven but don't we do this with the celebrity culture the same way right we, we praise and praise sure. and praise them until they cross that one line and then we really enjoy watching them fall right um Watch them fall and then watch them build back up again. I mean, think about some of the greatest failures and successes in the celebrity culture. And number one, in my humble opinion, is Robert Downey Jr. Mm. Yeah, that guy turned it that around. That guy was, he was doing meth and sleeping in his neighbor's kid's room in their cradle, you know, in, 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 their, um, in their cradle or whatever it was, right? I mean, he was just like that crazy. And then what happened? Tony's Iron Man. You know, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's it's a crazy, it's a crazy world we live in. And for some reason, you know, church thinks that they get the pass in some way. Well, that's that's the sad part, is is in a in in religious communities or any dogmatic kind of community, um that that you'll you'll fit and you'll belong as long as you toe the line the minute you step you'll know you'll know when you've crossed the line because they'll let you know um but it's like um it, that community for one should be the one that actually thinks harder about what what it says it believes and then how it practices what it believes right I mean, you can't yeah. you can't stack up the teachings of of the the savior they say they follow with the political bent that they've taken in America. You know, I mean, it's just hard. It's just hard for me to see. Um, and and this isn't just left or right either, because it's I, it's like American politics and Christianity in America are weird, weird bedfellows. You know, and it's both sides of that aisle. You know? Oh, dude, I think it's the worst. I told a pastor friend of mine, I said, hey, I think it's the hardest thing for you is teaching Christianity in America. And he goes, why? I said, because it's Christianity in America. 
you know, you think about all the contradictions that we say. Think about the think about and for those of you that don't go to church, just Google a praise and worship song. Just Google the top ten praise and worship songs and read the lyrics and understand that those songs are like prayers to God. All right. So there's there's your reference point. And then think of you sending your kids to school Monday through Friday. And what do they do every morning? They say the Pledge of Allegiance. Think about the teachings of the Bible. That, you know, the, think, Google how big a mustard seed is. With the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Right? And then where do we put our faith in driving this country? In a person. I would so go beyond that. I, I even a dollar, really. Go, go after it. Get after it. What were you going to say? I cut you off. Get out. Oh, there. sorry. No, I think I interrupted you. But I was saying, you know, it's not even so much even a person. It's a it's a dollar. You know, we stamp we stamped our God. It's in God we trust, and it's a little green piece of paper. You know, because if you so, listen right now on the news, any of the stuff that's happening, or even in the pol the political debate prior to this whole pandemic, how what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost? That's been the driving question. You know? Is there a greater contradiction? I mean, do you, if you, as a person who's really studied the Bible and understands, what is the greater contradiction? Living in a world where where is it going to cost, and the payment has on it in God we trust, or Jesus going into the temple and and uh, and throwing um, the the salespeople out? So the question again. Like, what's, what's the greater the... contradiction? Like, Jesus got so oh. mad because they were doing sales and they were doing all this stuff in the temple, right? So he comes in, he, he kicks the tables over. He's very angry. He's like, get out. And, you know, Christians still are like, yes, that's right. He, he, he was not only super nice, but he could kick some butt, right? I mean, they did, we did the whole right. thing. But then we live in a world where we ask, what's it going to cost? And in that payment, we put in God we trust. Right. Oh so yeah, no. It just comes back. Does he nuke America? <laughs> it's it's it is a wild time in American history. I don't know that. I don't know that. Maybe it's that we're. Maybe for me, it's just waking up to the fact that that our history has kind of always been this. You know, I think we were given. Like, think about the history as we're told. Because even, like, in, 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 in a movie like this, Stand By Me, it's mm -hmm. looking back at those happy days, right? And they weren't so happy, right? This is boomers looking back on their childhood, and they weren't happy days. They were happy moments. But they were surrounded by conflict, right? The same kinds of issues that we face day in and day out. Like, I think we were raised with a kind of, um, like, American slash church history that kind of painted things with, like, you know, kind of, kind of looking through the stained glass windows at it. You know, like we had a lens on it that filtered out the bad stuff. Sure. You know? And then as we kind of, we get a little more honest about it, you start to realize, oh wait a second. You know, people say, hey, you know, this whole let's let's just take for instance, you know, the the whole make America great again, you know, call that went out. What era are they looking back to? They're looking back to this one, right? America was great when it was like, you know when the four boys could walk down to the creek to find a dead body, 
you know, this, uh, <laughs> during like during segregation and and all the racism of the past and all that kind of stuff and the and the neglect and the abuse and all those things that were going on. It's like I think it's the myth of like of things were better at one point, but now they're worse. You see what I'm saying? Like that. I think it's just it's just another day, just like every other day that's ever been. You know. And and that sounds really really depressing, and that's coming from an exer who's totally comfortable with that. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, the darker the darker the lyric, the more I like the song. You know, um, yeah, because there's something true about it. You know, so it's like, what? so it, you know, if we looked at like the evil empires of history of like the Roman empires, it kind of imploded on itself and out subjugated you know millions of people and uh, you know took over parts most of the civilized world if you will quote unquote civilized like this it's no different right now you know like like they are us we are them and and uh, yeah it's just it's kind of it, it can be depressing that that people's beliefs don't usually get in the way of of their behavior you know or, or their beliefs, you know. So, so, so let's lighten this up a little bit. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're at the end of the movie here. Let's lighten it up a little bit. I'm gonna ask you some random questions here and have some yeah, fun. Let's yeah, let's do it. Let's have some fun here, really quick. Right? We have some laughs. We had some seriousness. Uh, we went down. And people, <laughs> yeah, we took a turn. Over, like, a good turn, man. Dude, we took some, we took some good turns, though, right? Because people email me like, "Oh man, you brought up religion again. Why?" And I'm like, "Because it's the foundation of this country in some capacity, but it's also not." Like it's it is the it is the greatest contradiction I think that that all of us live in here because those who aren't religious feel like they live in a religious country and those who are religious feel like they live in a religious country and neither one are correct in my humble opinion. Um, but that said, now in this generation where we're at where we're at today, you're a musician. You've worked with, uh, you've opened for some great, great bands. Uh, what kind of music are you playing today, if you could? Like if you're a young Reese, and I fast forward to putting in a time machine, we go in the DeLorean and we yeah. shoot ahead to today. What are you playing? You know, I'm digging, um, I'm really digging the 1975. Really? Yeah. Just some yeah. real rock and roll? Just some real Jimmy Hendrix rock and roll, where like electric guitar and just real rock and roll. I, you know, it's 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 more like that rock and roll with the '80s vibe. They're 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 more like in that that vein. They got the keyboard player and they they got this, you know, but they've got okay. that kind of, that kind of '80s swagger to them. They got that moodiness. So I'm kind of digging on that, and the kids seem to like it. So I guess that's somewhat current, you know. And I think I would be I I could go that route, you know. Um, Looking back at your favorite thing when you were growing up, as far as what you um, what you would eat or not eat, what you would do or not, you know, what your favorite places to go and eat. What are you? Uh, what are you um, bringing back uh, to this generation to say, hey, you guys, you guys have fucking, you guys have missed out. Like you guys don't understand how amazing this is. Oh man. <laughs> like i'm talking like i'm thinking for me like there's a couple right godfather's pizza 
All right. They don't know. They don't know, right? They just, they don't know. And also, just because of, of what it was, and people have tried to bring it back, and I guess it kind of came back for a little bit, but they didn't have, because of Red Bull and other things, they didn't understand the impact that Jolt had. Because you've got to remember, there were Saved by the Bell episodes about people <clears throat> taking caffeine pills <laughs> to stay awake to graduate high school. Right. That was a real Saved by the Bell. Now kids are going to Starbucks to get four shots of espresso when at lunch they can have a sugar-free Red Bull and tackle the day. Right. Not, so, yeah, not to mention the Adderall and all that stuff. <laughs> or for like someone like me who's crazy, right? Like I'll take Modafinil or ProVigil. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, I'll do crazy brain drugs just because I want to figure out what's going on in my brain. So what, what in, when you look back, like what's the thing where you're like, man, if I could, if, listen, clean slate, I'm going to bring something back for you kids that you're just going to blow your fucking mind. Damn, that's a good question. See, this is why I'm, this is why I'm your favorite interview of all time right now. Yeah, you got, you got, <laughs> you got digging into the past. Like, you know, what's missing that, you know, because everything has become, you know, Chipotle-ed, you know? It has. Think about glacier glasses. Remember those? The aviator glasses that are the leather on the side? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. To block the sun. Out. Like, um, for some reason, the sun was just darting through the side. <laughs> the magical sun. And, and, and what put, happened? Because glacier glasses didn't last. Right. We still wear Ray-Bans. We still wear aviator sunglasses. And no one's like, oh, the goddamn sun from the side. Are you fucking kidding me? Like... <laughs> <laughs> It's because cool is way more important than functional. Like, you know, way is, that, is that maybe the note to the kids? Like, you guys didn't understand the fact that we made cool cool be, and, we, and we removed function. Yeah. Yeah, like, like function was fine for a while. Like when we put the little tassels on our sunglasses, you know? Remember that? Because you couldn't have them fall off your face. No, because that happened all the time. While we were doing extreme sports, you know. <laughs> Jump, when you're jumping six kids fighting. in the neighborhood and one's Fat Patty, listen. You... <laughs> <laughs> dang, dang, that's, that's it. Yeah. It was worse. Nothing was worse than when you're, you know, what is it, the Iridium, like, lenses on your Ray-Ban, or your uh, Oakley Razors. Got a scratch because they fell off your face. You better have had the, you know, that, what was it? Oh, my gosh, like that body glove. Like well, the gators, strap the, little, uh, the little straps that would hook yeah. up the bottom. And then you could also just flick them off the front of your face and then just land in your chest. Damn right, because you didn't want to mess up your mullet. Well, yeah, because you had so much hair part in your mullet. If you threw them up like they did in the 70s, all that mousse and gel would just coat those lenses and then you're, you're fucked. Yeah, you're cleaning those for three or four days. Oh yeah. Um, Let me. Jeez, you know. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, I got it. What I would bring back, because kids, because kids do not understand just how important a good like. Like, remember, every place used to have like some kind of fried fish on the menu. Uh, right, Sizzler. Yeah, even like, <laughs> like even even McDonald's got their flail fish, right? 
You know what they don't have anymore? That sometimes on a rainy day like it's here in Southern California today, I'm like, where is that H salt fish and chips when I need it? Did you guys have those in Montana growing up? No, no, we didn't even have. We didn't have. When I they got uh, Montana where I was at, we had Taco Jones, not Taco Bell. They just got a, they got a Taco Bell in like 2000, and um, not even Taco Juan. It was Taco John. Yep, <laughs> it was the whitest. <laughs> It's like we had we had an Asian restaurant called Jimmy Lee's, and it was owned by a fat white guy who would come out in a kimono and serve you food. I mean, you so want to talk about appropriation? So yeah, Steven Seagal's exactly. <laughs> Dude, he could make a killing. You know how Kenny Rogers had his fried chicken? Like Steven Seagal could start his like his start Chinese a Thai food restaurant. restaurant. Oh my gosh, there it is in, in Russia. So, <laughs> but, so, so wait a second. Now, now, honestly, where do kids go to get fish and chips now? How could they even do it? Who even serves up fish and chips? Uh, how dare you, sir? Long John Silvers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only place that has deep fried food that can still like get food poisoning. You can still get food poisoning off something that's been deep fried till it's nothing. <laughs> They're like, what do you got here? I got cheese curds and I've got fried cod. Are you sure it's cod? Listen, I don't know. It's a fucking white flaky thing. We yeah, fried it. <laughs> I'm assuming and, you're going to die at some point. And imagine what I'm saying to the kids. I'm saying to them, you know, once in a while you need a whole plate of just battered deep fried something. Like you have the chips. You got to yeah. have the fish. You got to have the vinegar. And you got to have a cold beer. Or that tartar sauce, which is, you know, let's just dip oh, the fat in some more fat. With a little bit of lemon flavor, and we're we're golden. Do you think it's weird that people like tartar sauce and they like garlic aioli? But if you mention mayonnaise, they throw up. Yeah, I get <laughs> I, I get I get pretty annoyed. I get pretty annoyed with like like people who are like ooh who like hot mayonnaise. I'm like if you've never put mayonnaise on a bologna sandwich and fried it, then I don't even want to talk to you. I don't get even want to talk to you. Get out. Don't and and people are like oh man. I love going to a diner. I love the crispiness of a grilled cheese sandwich. I'm like, yeah, because they don't fry it with butter. They fry it with mayonnaise. Damn right. <laughs> and they're like, no, they don't. I was like, have you worked in a kitchen? Nope. Okay, well, I have. And that's what they do. They put it on burger buns. The reason that crispness comes in, the reason there's that like softness and that little bit of crunch and then the, the cheese sweetness. and the lettuce, that's mayonnaise. Yes. And... Mayonnaise is egg whites and olive oil. Right. Why are you freaked out? Like two of the most hipster ingredients of all time. Of all time. Now, for sure, fuck you if you like Miracle Whip. <laughs> I don't know. Those little church ladies could make those finger sandwiches at potlucks. That's with true. A little bit of Miracle Whip to change your life. Change your life, but it, has to be, but it has to be delivered up by some old lady in like her house coat. You know, that's the only way you can eat it. The only way. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've done it. Oh, dude! I remember we were when I was growing up. We were poor, and my mom made up a sandwich for me. And to this day, I can still eat it, and I like it. And I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you my weird food, and then if you had a weird food growing up, please share. Um, she'd do Wonder Bread. She would squirt down some mustard. She would put a handful of Lay's potato chips on top, 
put another piece of Wonder Bread down, squirt some mustard down, and put it on top. So it was bread, mustard, Lay's potato chips, mustard, and bread. And how I knew this was a fucked up thing to eat is I went to a friend's house, and his mom was making sandwiches. And Jimmy got a ham and cheese sandwich with a side of mustard and some Lay's potato chips. She goes, Jason, what can I make you? And I was like, well, take that bag of Lay's potato chips and open it up. And she's like, okay. I'm like, take that piece of bread, put some mustard down. Now, pour the potato chips on top. Nice. <laughs> and her face changed. Mustard. Her face was like, oh, honey, you don't eat well, do you? And I'm like, listen, thick boy nation over here? No, no, I don't eat well. They, Sears created husky jeans for kids who grew up poor in the 70s. <laughs> this is why there was husky jeans. With elastic in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel your pain, buddy. I'm, I'm with, you're safe here. You're safe. <laughs> Actually, as you're describing it, I'm going, you know, like every kid who's ever had their lunch packed at school understands just how amazing it is to put your chips in your sandwich, no matter what sandwich you Oh, dude. Peanut butter and banana sandwiches my mom would make me. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this. So since every kid who's ever packed a lunch knows chips in a sandwich is amazing, why hasn't Subway or Jimmy John's or one of these companies figured this one out yet? Well, I mean, there's one. There's the poison of sodium. Sodium will literally kill you. And the fact that we didn't die from sodium poisoning, when you think about ramen, when you think about all the Lay's potato chips we were forced to eat, and all the soda that we had, I mean, you know, they're just, they're, I mean, they're, they're so, everyone's so pressured. This is the other thing. We don't have balance, right? We don't have balance. So everyone's pressured. Like, you have to be healthy. You have to be healthy. There's no cheat. There's no nostalgia. You know, you can't. I was joking around and I was talking to a friend. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I bought a bike before this all happened because I knew they're going to shut everything down, which is great. So I'm going to buy a bike. I'm going to 15, 20 miles a day. I'm just going to do it because I don't have a gym. And 24-hour was still charging me my membership even though their gym was closed. So I was like, well, I'll never go back to a 24-hour again. I just never will because no. I can't support that. Um <clears throat> You know, they're, uh, so, so, so I, I, I bought a bike and I'm like, I'll do bikes and I'll do push-ups and sit-ups and I'll, I'll be fine. You know, and I'm down 12 pounds doing that in, in two weeks, but I'm riding 15, 20 miles. I also, have a, I also put like this neoprene shit on. So I really sweat extra more. So half of that's water weight, I'm sure, but I'm doing it every day, just trying to burn it out, just trying to work. But then, you know, I'll have a pizza. <laughs> And I'll share, I'll be like, oh man, I made myself like this gorgeous 10 inch pizza, sausage, pepperoni, habanero jack cheese. And then um, I took a ghost pepper and I cut it in half and I, and I, re, I reinvigorated it in water. And then I slowly cooked it in honey for like, you know, four hours on low just to bring all the oils out. And then I put this, you know, this ghost pepper honey on top. So it gets sweet, spicy and all this stuff. And people are like, oh, I don't even know why you're riding your bike, bro. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing because you just wasted your whole day riding your bike on that pizza. I'm like, yeah, fuck face. That's exactly why I That's did it. Why you're on the bike. 
or they or they or they, they see these podcasts and talk about oh I hear you play basketball uh, I heard you riding your bike and I'm like yeah like how many beers do you have in your last podcast and I was like I don't know three or four well that ruined your whole day okay <laughs> there's no balance there's there's just there's there's I only eat meat I only eat vegetables I only do this I only do that and there's no middle road that says I mean my you know, I'll be like, oh, I, I juiced veggies and I'll drink them. Everyone's like, man, it's so cool. You're a vegan. I'm like, no, no, bitch. I had a pork sandwich with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, right. You're, you're right. It's like, I think no matter what, it's like, what are we even working for? So you can go the other extreme like me and just just keep eating while you're on quarantine and just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I, I applaud you. I, I see you. I see your food and I get so hungry because you make good food. For those of you who don't know, I was in uh, SoCal with my wife and kid um, and uh, Reese was kind enough to invite us out to his home and we got all made personal pizzas and we got a drink and we got to have fun and we got to hang out with our kids got to hang out. Our wives got to hang out. Uh, it was, it was a really, it was a beautiful, magical moment. I mean, my daughter still remembers this day and I told her I was doing the podcast with you and she's like, Oh, tell him hi. She remembers. And it was one of those magical moments. And, the, and I, we'll close it up with this because the movie's over. We'll close it up with this and go, one of the things that's great about our generation that, that Stand By Me didn't capture is that we go through divergent paths. Like, I was in your wedding. And we drifted away for a while. And then we get to come back together again. And there's something special about our generation and groups of friends and what we did and who we were, where there's no judgment of, hey, you didn't call me or I didn't call you or you didn't do, you know, it was, it's so good to hear your voice. Let's hang out. And I wish if there's, if there's a great part of our generation that I believe our kids are one point, and I believe the connecting without judgment is the other point of opening our homes. We're that generation that opens our homes. We're that, we're that group that's just dumb enough to be like, yeah, you can spend the weekend here. Oh, you're traveling through? Get over here. Yeah, you, you touch down and don't, you know, you're not, if you're nearby and I don't hear from you, right? It's like, yeah, like, you know, yeah. You know, okay, but let's think about it. Stand By Me ends with a pretty iconic line, right? says, I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Yep. And he says, Jesus, does anyone? I feel like our generation, and maybe this is what's different from us and the, the ones that have followed, we were the ones who we hung out on the street. We, we, we went out into the woods together. We, like, we spent the whole day. We came home when the streetlights came on, that kind of stuff. When we were in college, you know, no one was supporting us. We, our friends were our family. You know, that kind of stuff. I just think that's it. You you connect with people in these places in your life. And that connection doesn't fade because because people go a different way. And I think that's I think that's the reflection of this movie. You know, I like it. I think that's a beautiful reflection of the movie. So now is my favorite part where I got to say goodbye to you, which is the sad part. But then my daughter sings about the first time she took a shit, which is. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to say, I want to say, my girls too. When they when they heard about this, they were like, "Oh yeah, 
um you know like like we love like they had so much fun with your daughter when she was here they were talking about that this morning you know oh, tell her tell her they all they all said hey to her too Especially I, I will she was like oh, i will we'll do it again man listen when yeah. this lifts when this comes up um we're gonna have some you know what i think people are gonna want to connect and travel and i think uh social media is gonna take a dive and uh, I, I think human connection of just, you know, not being on our phones and being with people is going to expound tenfold. And, uh, you know, I'll be back in SoCal. I've got way too many miles for my Southwest. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got like a hundred and something thousand miles in Southwest. So nice. we'll, we'll come out. We'll see you guys a hundred percent. But hey, most importantly, and, and I've started to say this on the other podcast and, and I'll say it here. Um, we will uh, we'll live and we'll die. We will uh, we'll make money. We'll lose money. We'll get bananas. They'll go bad. We'll go get new bananas. There's a lot of stuff that we can go replace, but um, we can't replace time. And uh, you have a beautiful privilege and opportunity where you're in your home with your wife and all of your kids. Uh, you know, and um, and yet you took the time out for shit almost two hours to to talk randomness and fun with me and that does not go unnoticed and i'm very appreciative for that well, dude, yeah you know what anytime brother like this is an honor to be asked i you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, man it was fun man listen i love you man and uh you know uh we will um we'll get together when we can but we can do this anytime you want to and um i'm gonna hit stop recording now because i'm so bad at goodbyes and right. now we're gonna listen to my daughter sing about pooping which is hilarious so stay well, <laughs> stay well you guys stay well brother talk to you soon bye-bye